just to review, your tabaxi monk barbarian blade slinger is running a half a mile back to town, picking up the map you forgot and returning all in a single turn? Let me see that sheet. Huh. 30 foot base, plus 20 for monk, plus 10 for blade song, plus 25 for elk totem while raging, plus 10 from mobile feet plus 10 from the wizard casting long strider on you, plus 10 from the transmuter stone you're carrying, plus 30 from the epic boon of speed, so that gives you a 145 movement speed. Then you double it for being a tabaxi, double for your boots of speed, and double from the haste potion you drank earlier. That gives you 1160 foot base speed. Then you are moving, using your action to move, using your bonus action to dash, using your haste action to dash, and using your action surge to dash, allowing 5,800 feet of movement in six seconds. I wonder if the rules cover rolling damage dice if you break the sound barrier. Hello and welcome back to another wildly, fantastically fun Grognard episode. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today, we are going to be talking about that one thing that is most important for all games. Or most annoying. Good point. Most important. (laughs) (laughs) The most important thing for any game, be it an RPG or a board game, is players. And that is what we are talking about today. Players gonna play. Yeah. I have a t-shirt that says Flayer's Gonna Flay with a Mind Flayer on it. Yeah, I like that shirt. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I've <laughs> not seen that one. Yeah. You s- for some reason, I pop up on my Facebook because they know my taste and I'm like, oh my God, I got to have that one. Yeah, I know. You're being tracked just like I am. Yeah. So. But we have a new segment we today, are. right? Uh, say that again? We have a new segment today? We yes. We have a new we, segment. Yes, we do. We have a brand new segment, something that uh, um, we decided to add in to kind of give us a little more uh, street cred, geek yeah. cred, if you want to A little more depth, it. too. We spend a lot of time talking about D&D. Yeah. We are calling it Games People Play. And, of course, it's the other stuff that we play when we're not doing D&D or RPGs. So, um, since this is our first time doing it, Eric, in the last couple of weeks, what do you play? Yeah, I've been, uh, actually, most of my stuff is still D&D related. You know, <laughs> I run at a local game store, so running, finishing up the uh, Dragon Heist hardcover with some Adventure League things. How is that going? It's uh, not built for Adventure League play because they changed the rules so that every four hours of play you level, essentially. And Dragon Heist is only supposed to go to level five. So we've already played, you know, five sessions. Um they're not at the end. They probably have two or three more sessions. So I'm having to modify a lot of the encounters, which isn't a big deal. But, okay. um, and then uh, the the amusing thing I did yesterday was I made a list of the conventions I want to go to, mm-hmm. like now through basically Gen Con. And I'm just going to read this off because it's a little uh, – it might be unrealistic, but they're all like pretty local. So Game Hole's coming up in a couple of weeks up in Madison, Wisconsin. We have our local Winter War in January. Um, there's a game convention, LodgeCon – up in Piatone, which I think is near Kankakee or something. Yeah. Um, that's in February. Gary Con, which mm-hmm. we should all be at in I March. I need to get tickets for that. Hoosier Con, which is in Indianapolis. Love that Which convention. is a free convention. That that's, makes it even better. So I got to go to that. One. The Roll Call, which is the other thing I've been doing this week. I'm writing an Adventures League adventure for Roll Call that's due in like a week. <laughs> so I've been furiously getting stuff down. Have you gotten anything done on that? Yeah, I, I, I got it. It's mostly in my head. I just need to get it on paper. Uh-huh. Um, 
We have a fundraising convention, Farmageddon, in April for a local Boy Scout troop, so we usually hit that. D8 Summit, which is uh, somewhere north of us. It's at Grand Bear Lodge. Uh, oh, Origins, yeah. I'm thinking of hitting this year, which is all the way out in Ohio. I have never been to Origins. Never been, but I've heard it's quite it's entertaining. It's like second only to Gen Con, apparently, in terms of size for D&D gaming conventions. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not correct. No, you are correct on that mention. one, yeah. And then we have our local uh, Muhammad, Illinois, Mage Con for the second annual, which is a one-day. We might do two days no, this I, year. No, I think he's got it reserved for two days, so we're yeah. doing Friday yeah. night and Saturday. And then uh, Gen Con in August, so... Like, pretty much every month there's a gaming convention. Whether I'm actually going to make it or not, who knows? Yeah, yeah. So you didn't really play much in the way of other things. I've been writing. Gotcha. What about you, I Greg? Think, I think since we last recorded, we uh, we ran we the, had our one D&D thing that you actually play in. Yeah, the monthly group, yeah. uh, Somebody, one of the players is running. He's running a round of seven parts, and I don't think he anticipated it would take as long to run Yeah, I think he was thinking it's going to be about six months, and we're barreling down on a year here, aren't we? And, yeah. yeah, we only play once a month, so. Yeah. So and we, and we actually skipped a couple months in the summer, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was. Uh, so, Greg, what about you? Uh, well, other than my monthly D&D game, which isn't running every month, um, <laughs> my longtime uh, Mutants and Masterminds game, I think that went on for about four years uh, with my uh, every other week Friday group, uh, we terminated that Mutants and Masterminds game. And um, just it came to a natural place to stop. And now we are going to be super grognardy, and we are going to play West End Games Star Wars. Wow. Old school D6 Star Wars. We are rejecting the two newer versions of the Star Wars role-playing <laughs> game and going with the one that we like and just, the one that we already own piles of books for. Just like the movies. They pretend like the, the yeah. <laughs> prequels yeah. never happened, sequels, whatever. You know. Yeah. No, well, the nice thing about it is I found a website where they've taken all of the books from the other games that have come out since then with all of the prequel information and Clone War information, and they've back-converted them to D6 oh, and put them up on, as PDFs for free. So, uh, yeah, we've uh, we've spent uh, we've had two zero sessions already, and we're going to have a third zero session. Uh, so we uh, so we can get our characters right. Wow! And that. Uh, uh, so well, I guess I'm the only one who has played non RPG type non games. RPGs. Yes, in I the did last that once. in the last two weeks, I have played over twelve different games. Jeez. <laughs> 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 um, at the convention uh, Flatcon, I played three board games. Uh, Tanks, which is was ridiculously huge. It took up a 20 by 20 area. Nice. Which was basically supersizing a game that's supposed to be played in an area of a 4 by 4 table. Yeah, but those miniatures are arguably the uh, biggest miniatures of any miniature game I've seen. Like, the yes. tank is like the size of like a Tonka truck. Yes, yeah. and it was cool. It was, it was uh, intriguing to be playing with things that big, but it also was a little... It was a little wonky because you were trying to roll dice for your tanks and you're trying to line up and you're crawling around on the floor, which nominally the game is supposed to be played on the table. So yeah. you're like on your hands and knees. Too old to crawl around on the floor. Well, you just needed like knee pads. Yeah. Or a dolly. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. But it was fun. And I one kicked of the, one major ass. automotive creepers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did. I kicked major ass. I pretty much won the game single-handedly. Then I ran a game uh, by Monolith. It's Conan. And that went off very well. Um, two people who had never played it before. One of these days we'll have to play that together because I do own two copies of that and I've never played it. <laughs> it's quite a great game. It is really a great game. And then I also played a new game that was one of the top games of 2018. It's called Who's Go Who Goes There? And it's based on the, uh, the novel 
and of the same name, and the movie, uh, The Thing, John Carpenter's The oh, Thing. Cool. So, and that was really a lot of fun. It was kind of a semi-cooperative game, but you still had to take care of yourself in order to win. And then uh, in our regular gaming uh, group that we have in my hometown, we played a crap ton of games. A really cool little game called Box of Rocks, which is like a trivia game. <laughs> but you're playing against the other players and a box with rocks in it that has zero, one, or two in terms of the answers of the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> so you can lose to a box of rocks. Um, in addition to that, we played Six Nymphs, which is a German uh, trick-taking game. Uh, cash and Guns, where you... Oh, I love Cash and Guns. Yeah, that's a fun yeah. game. Fun game. Um, and it also, you can play up to eight people, so you can get yeah. a good group yeah, in. Yeah, there's an expansion. Um, a new game that I got at Gen Con, they uh, gave it to me for a review. It's called Shit Happens, which is basically <laughs> you are trying to find out on a line of a... They call it a misery index, um, <laughs> where shit happens. You know, is it a, a one... A ten or a one hundred, and you got to find it. Is it before, between, or after? And it's quite a bit of fun. And as a matter of fact, it just got picked up to be a new uh, Spike TV uh, series. Huh? Yeah. So it has taken nice. off, taken off quite quickly. I also picked up a new game. Um, I know it's a video game, but it's a <sighs> novel, in, interactive novel called Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. It details the book. And speaking of Grognardi. Oh. I went and played a game that I have kept since 1975. It's called Tank Battle by Milton Bradley. Yeah. Do you recall it? Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, that is battle. a much deeper game than people gave it credit for back in the 70s. Yeah. You can play that game pretty hard for about a good hour and a half, and you're you're still not decided on who's a winner. So Some of those board games hmm. were deceptively... Bothered, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I mean, if you re- like, even Risk, which at a surface mm. seems like a really simple game. No, that is not a simple game. Yeah, no. I mean, there are definitely optimized strategies for that game that are not readily apparent. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, uh, Carrier Strike was the one I. I've I got that Carrier one Strike. too. Yeah, yeah, I still got my Carrier Strike. Good for you. Yeah, it's a cool. Did game. you ever play Subsearch? Uh-uh. Oh, that was one that was like. Two and a half feet tall and had three levels that you had to find subs, and it was... Yeah, I, th- I remember that one. Battleship in 3D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like right. they would play on the original Star Trek. 3D yes. Ba- yeah. 3D Battleship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. that's what uh, that's what we did in the last couple of weeks since we all talked to you. And that's our new segment, Games People Play. And now let's get back into those people who play those games. Yeah. The bane of the DM's existence. But, yes. You know. Ah, the best oh. people in the room. The if it players. wasn't for them damn players, we'd have a good time, wouldn't we? Yeah. Eric? Yeah. <laughs> make make days much easier. So um, sit there by yourself, drinking your Mountain Dew. I, 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 <laughs> we shouldn't generalize. I mean, there's different types of players. Yes, right? there are. Yes. So that's probably where we should start. Well, why don't yeah. you take the dice and roll with it? Right, well, I, or, or or Greg, you want to yeah, take no, this? I one? got this one. I got this one. You yeah, got this I'm, one. I got this one. Okay. All right. Alrighty. Um, yeah, now one thing, uh, yeah, we certainly can uh, generalize here is that there are a bunch of different types. of. There are kind of two basic types of players, if you want to lump them together there. Uh, you got your leaders and you got your followers. Yeah. Um, that that shows itself pretty quickly, <laughs> yeah. usually, in a room. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the um, first potential area of conflict yeah, yeah, at that's, a table. Especially uh, sometimes between players, sometimes between... The uh, players and the DM. Uh, uh, even in a brand yeah. new game, it's pretty obvious, especially when somebody's not even familiar with the game. You ask them, you know, you set them up, you do your session zero and whatever, and almost immediately 
someone jumps to the forefront yeah. as which is good the as, party leader as and yeah. in in original D and D and first edition, um, they had a caller like they would actually designate somebody to interact yes. with the DM. Yes. And that would be – so until that person that. said it, it didn't happen. Right. right? And that so, is exactly true. And we played that way for a very yeah, long time. we played time. that way originally too. Mm-hmm. So you would like discuss amongst yourself what you would do and then that exactly. person would tell the DM, yeah. which is kind of opposite of what goes on now because it's like you've got six seconds to tell me what you're going to do. Well, we Bye, don't do that know. with you, Greg, because yeah. you take forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one. No, um, but again, going back to the war gaming perspective, it was a more tactical mindset. For especially for combat, it was in combat that generally that that system was used. So, you know, if you're making tactical decisions, you want what's what's the decision? What are you doing? And you want one person to tell you the answer to that as as a game. I kind of like that idea. Not that I'm going to ever go back to that, but it did make things a little bit easier because nothing happened until that person said it did. Yeah, and. But the game's gotten away from that, which is our second category. Uh, but before we move on, the other thing, having yeah. more than one leader can be a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Because <laughs> it can, yeah. it can be, get uncomfortable at the table. Or having no leaders. I've had that happen at convention that, games. Yeah, that's a, for, that's a problem. In the, in the reverse, if you have too strong of a leader, the other yeah. people just, they don't mean, have they're not really playing yeah. the game yeah. at that point. So yeah. that's, that's actually probably the second hardest role to fill at a gaming table is yeah. to be the party leader because you can't be mm-hmm. overbearing. You want everybody mm-hmm. to have a chance to play their character, but you also want to move the game along, right? You don't want to just sit there and, and smell the daisies for four hours. Right. But also yeah. that is the part of the DM to make sure that the game yeah. is progressing. Yep. Well, and then, and there's a certain uh, amount too. There's whether you're a leader or a follower is the player or the character. Because sometimes... I've been in situations, um, a couple of weird ones, ooh, especially at uh, Gen Con, where, um, oh no, that was a Gary Con, where um, one of the players, their character was the leader. Yeah. But that player did not want to be the leader at all. It just so happens, the luck of the draw, they, we, kind of the way everybody picked out their characters, they did not realize that they selected, we were playing uh, Star Trek. We were playing old school Star Trek, and they picked the character with the highest rank, and they yeah. were the least experienced player, and uh, kind of a shy. See, I don't, I don't see anyway. characters as leaders. I see yeah. players as leaders because characters can say they're the leader, but unless they're actually making the, the players actually making well, the we, decisions. We were very good about, uh, you know, okay, sir, where, where are we going now? Yeah, what can, do we do? You can role yeah. play that, but yeah. at the end of the day, somebody needs to be. It was a struggle. Right, yeah, it was a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. The person um, playing the character usually, to me. You, you need to be a little yeah. self-aware when you're making up your character as to whether or not you can pull that off yeah, and whether you want to do that. But that whole um, you know, party caller, so we sort of got away from that because of our next category, that we, the next dichotomy, yeah. so to speak, of, of player types. Yeah, the role player versus the number cruncher or as we frequently call it around here, the min-maxer. Well, they're not necessarily the same. Yeah, they're, they're very, closely they related. Very similar. Very similar. They're um, very similar. Um, yeah, I, I see that as the person who's in it for the character advancement versus the person who's in it to advance goal the story. achieve and and well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think I like to think everybody's trying to advance. The story well, I guess what I'm meaning by advancing the story but, uh, is developing their character story in the actual uh, the adventure, so to speak. I'm more of a role player, and I'm yeah. using the, the, the action of rolling dice as opposed to a 
or I'm, I'm sorry, R-O-L-E <laughs> as opposed to an R-O-L-L player, yeah, if that I, makes sense. Yeah, there, some, go th- there was an interesting thread on EN World lately. There's this guy, his, his screen name is Lou Poles, and it's like Louis Polsner or something. I don't know his last name, but he's an old, old, old school Grognardian, like pre-original D&D. With and a he, damn catchy name. And a lot of his, <laughs> his posts... Um, read like a get off my lawn kind of post. And <laughs> and this one arguably had that flavor, but he, he was bemoaning the me first style of D&D play. Like, <laughs> and he was like, when I play D&D, we play tactical D&D and that's the way we liked it. And if you didn't do it that way, you're doing it wrong, right? And I think- It's like clearing a room. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's one of the reasons they got away from the caller. And that's, that's in my mind, the differentiation between a role player and a number cruncher. The number cruncher wants to sort of you know, maximize the efficiency at which they clear the dungeon. They want to yeah. go in, kick the door down, defeat the monsters, take minimum damage, inflict maximum damage, and search get, every corner, yeah, get the search loot. every corner. Mm-hmm. Where nowadays role playing has evolved, and and you get much more. I want to play my character. I want to see where this my character story goes. I, you know, the dungeon's part of that story, but it's not the story. Right. Yeah, and I've That's read a lot of places going. where um, Wizards of the Coast ha- is encouraging that. Yeah, uh, as the method of play. I mean, that's that's what they want now more so than. That. And I think that's what's the way attracting the more, modules. More women to yes. RPGs. I mean, yeah. that old school style of play is very competitive, very you know confrontational, and I think that turned a lot of women off to to D and D early on. They don't, they don't want, there's not a lot of women that plays war games. It plays miniatures. Even now, you know, you go to a Warhammer 40k. It's mostly guys because they like that that head to head confrontational style of play. So just uh, just part of our nature. Differences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, part of our nature. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah. what's the next? Well, type our of next player? our next uh, person, uh, pretty self-explanatory, the newbie. You know, person yeah. you've uh, just drug in, or maybe they're a board gamer who's never done role-playing games. Uh, that that happens a lot. Um, they tend to uh, end up in our first section as one of the followers, at least for a Yeah, hopefully, because if they're not, that could be a yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, they usually don't know the rules and they need uh, the people, the others at the table yeah, you to know help them along. Uh, I'm going to pretty much speak not from always. a DM's perspective this entire podcast because I yeah. DM way more than I play. It's helpful for another player to sort of take the newbie under their wing. I was going to ask yeah. you that, Eric. Yeah. Um, when I have a new player, I always set them beside someone who's played yeah. for a while and someone who certainly has the books or at least the information in front of them that they can kind of Yeah, help not that through. I can't work them through the game if nobody does that, but I think it, it's it, a lot harder to do it, it that is, way. Because you're, you're splitting your time between helping that player and, and trying to, you know, get the characters through a good, good adventure. Are you ever apprehensive when someone new wants to join a game that's already been kind of established? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I do a lot of pickups, and then I do a lot of longstanding games. And the pickup games, one of the advantages is if it's a, a problem player, which we're going to talk about in a second, it's only one session. Right. You just yeah. got to deal with them for four or five hours. But if you have somebody that you've invited to your long-term game yeah. and they don't mesh, that can be awkward. It can yeah. be awkward. Because usually you know that person outside of gaming, right? Yeah. And, then, yeah. I, and I've had that happen recently and it wasn't a bad issue it's just that this player recognized that he did not mesh well with a couple of the other players and he just removed himself from the game he just like that's actually the ideal situation yeah he just couldn't he's like you know what i really like being in your games 
but I just can't. I don't like these other players. He didn't dislike them as people. He disliked yeah. their play style. style. Play their style. play style. And yeah. that can happen. I mean, no, it, that's that's easy to happen. Yeah, there's people who are like, I don't like the way they do this. I, God, if you're I, a number cruncher in a room full of hardcore, you know, you know, s- character developing story players. You know what, Greg? Um, I was one of, I wasn't a number cruncher. I was one of those role players, R O L L. R O L E players, <laughs> sorry. And I was doing, um, this was Living Greyhawk. And man, I had the worst, most boring sessions. I'd be sitting there and these guys are like, tick, 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 you know, figuring this out and this out and this out. And I'm like, screw it. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my, fri- done. My, my Friday group, they, we are R O L E players out the wazoo. I mean, mm-hmm. we play hours and hours and hours without. A combat. Okay, right. just for clarity, so, anytime we say role play, we're assuming R O L E, and if yes. it's the other kind, we will spell it. Out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. All yeah. right. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I would, I would seriously wonder. Yeah, if, if you like stepped into my Friday group, we would probably have driven you insane, especially the Buffy game where we spent a lot of time. Yeah, you know what I realized in high school nuts is um, <laughs> DMs. I don't get. I get annoyed with other players, but I can usually, you know, whatever. Uh, but DMs, <laughs> fast and loose DMs, sort of take every rule as, eh, I'm, uh, you know, I don't do it that way. I do it this way. That sort of annoys me. And, mm. you know, um, I also, my friend Jeremy, who's running that spell jammer on, online on Roll20, um, he doesn't roll publicly for his DM rolls. Yeah, you so, had mentioned that before. Yeah. And, and that sort of annoys me. I mean, it shouldn't because for <laughs> years, that's how we played. Mm-hmm. The DM rolled behind the screen. But um, starting in 5th edition, I started rolling in the open for everything because a lot of the mechanics in 5th edition are based on the roll. You have to make the decision after the roll but before the result's declared. Well, if you don't know the roll, you can, and some DMs say, well, you're not supposed to know the roll. You have to decide whether to use your shield spell without knowing the roll. Right, but I don't think that's the way it was designed. I think yeah. the way it was designed was open roll. So it sort of annoys me now. Not that I'm going to stop playing, but those those little things. Well, that that might make you a problem player. Yeah, I don't know if that <laughs> so, does. But um, and we sort of touched on a couple yeah. of them. Yeah, because yeah. uh, so if you're not a problem player, what does it mean to be a good player? Well, hold on, let's talk about problem players really quickly because uh, yeah. we didn't cover that. I see. We kind of we kind of morphed into that from the okay. we yeah. turned we turned our newbie into a problem player. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. which is not fair. And and, and the I, newbie just requires yeah. special attention because yeah. he's new. And one thing I didn't I hadn't really thought about too much since uh, until we started doing this is outside of convention play, I have been playing with the same people for years. I mean, my Friday group. That's yeah. We we a new person gets into that group about every five or six years. Yeah. I mean, it's it's long burn. That's impressive. All all of my new people are in. uh, You know, when I'm playing with Eric with the D and D people, but I knew almost all of them before we started playing. Yeah. So it's that's just weird. I'm 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 so unaccustomed to playing with people that I haven't known for years and been gaming with for years. It's just it's Hmm. just weird. I see a lot of posts online on the Facebook group, especially. Somebody will say, oh, I got this problem with one of my players. And a lot of times it's like playing with a couple, either boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, that break up, right? What do I, yes, what, that's You know, they still want to both play. Or I got a guy who cheats on die rolls, yeah. right? He always rolls, you know, in his groin and nobody can see the roll or something. You know, something crazy. Yeah, most, most and, people will call – And then there's 100 replies, out. 99 of which are the worst thing you could ever do. Like – 
It's like, well, you know, you should just sit them, you know, if they break up, they're divorced and they're going through a custody battle, you should just sit them on opposite sides of the table so, you know, they don't interact. <laughs> and you're like, no. That's not good. Like, <laughs> invariably, yeah. the answer comes down to deal with it out of game. Like, yeah. if somebody's going through a divorce and you got, you're going to have to sit down with each of them, probably individually, and say, listen, this is not working. You know, yeah. I would like to think that if the it people is not who working. are going through the divorce or the breakup or whatever are dealing with this on their own and, you know, it's not up to the DM to solve this problem. Yeah, but if it's impacting the game and they're not willing to deal with it, you have to. You know, if the guy is cheating, you need oh, to... Oh, cheating, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, right. again, in the it game, always in the comes game, right. down to... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe the other one too. I couldn't resist. It always <laughs> comes down to have an adult conversation mm -hmm. like you would for any social activity. If you have a buddy who goes out with you every Friday night and gets fall down drunk and starts a fight... You're not going to try to talk to him while he's drunk in the middle of a fight. Yeah, you want to. You're going to pull him when off he's the sober. side and say, "Listen, this ain't working. Okay, yeah. we need to change something." Yeah. And and actually, sometimes it's almost a problem uh, the opposite way when you have a couple and they're very together. Yeah. In a game. Yeah. And that can produce some awkwardness. But again, this, uh, the solution is the same. Yeah. You need to have a conversation outside the game as adults, just like you would for any social activity. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. That's what it always comes down to. Although that seems to be a lost art anymore. Yeah. I mean, it is. And, and it's, it's hard. Like, you know, nobody wants to have that conversation, but, you know, you have to do it. It's, it's impacting everybody's social fun time. Yeah, that. That's so. an that's an unfortunate uh, you know burden on the on the DM that he probably has to have that conversation. I guess unless one of the other players, I mean, is one a, of the other players, whoever is most appropriate yeah. to do it, yeah. could do but it. But somebody's just got to yeah sit somebody. But down I hear like stuff that. like, oh, we'll talk with all the other um, players and ostracize them, then they'll quit. You know, well, like, I mean, in the crazy. end, the DM is playing the role of the parent or the principal yeah. or the the teacher or whatever authority figure is. Yeah. And unfortunately, that carries over into sometimes real life that yeah. spills into the game. So that's all we're going to yeah. talk about problem players. Uh, well, actually, the other two things I was going to throw out about uh, problem players, though, is uh, problem players, pe uh, players who have their own agenda, who are pushing their own agenda outside like, of what the game master wants to do. Like or, character agenda? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, a character yeah. Or sometimes even a personal agenda. Um, or trying to work out their personal problems, you know, in a game, you know, in... Holy smokes! What type of people do you play with? I just I read things online, okay. and I've, I've had some. <laughs> I weird, mean, I've, I've I've had some weird things go up where where a game has been impacted because of somebody. There's a woman their... who plays Adventures League who, and it's she's not doing it on purpose. I'm sure she yeah. started role playing later, but she constantly tries to derail the adventure and. <laughs> Derail it as in like she's always like take it away from yeah this, like everyone will goal? be searching a room and and there won't be anything there'll be you know you, there's a kitchen pot on the stove that's you know it looks like it was boiling over something and she'll be like oh I want to look at the pot well what's in the pot how hot is it <laughs> well why would they have the pot cooking why Does was it look, this on the stove I'm how like, long has it been here know, by how far it's boiled down yeah <laughs> and, and, and and it even gets more absurd than that that actually might provide useful <laughs> wow. information wow. but she will like I'm going to take the pot and I'm going to take it to the town guard and you're like uh, okay so but as an experienced DM, I don't have a problem with that. My friend Dan actually is like, oh, my God, you deal with that so well. And I'm like, yeah, you just need to sort of like. How do you deal with that? If I were to say that, I'm going to take the pot to the guard. What do you say? I say, well, the guard's right outside. He looks at the pot. He throws it in the alley. He says, that, that, 
this, this isn't a clue. This is a pot. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, basically don't spend the party's time on just this, this silliness. Yeah, I, right? I think I do something similar to that. I basically but a new make DM, it look non-important. Yeah, a new DM's like, oh, my God, this, this woman wants to interact with this, this kitchen pot, like, <laughs> and I need to spend 30 minutes. Right. No, you don't, yeah, you no. know. So – if you find and, a quick and, out. Yeah, and our friend Dan, he always comments, oh, my God, you do such a good job with her. And I go, you know what, Dan? I don't even really notice it like because I've DM'd long enough that I know I know what's supposed to go on, and I'm going to – whatever character throws out the right lead, that's the one I'm paying attention to, and, and the rest of the party yeah. could go along or, or sit quietly in the corner, I guess. Yeah. You're, you're kind of hoping that maybe at some point this player will get the hint. Yeah, and, and this say, is for Adventures League play, so it's very yeah. linear. There's yeah. not a lot of leeway. Yeah, then that's the weird thing about that. So uh, you know, you're know, you hoping that eventually you know they'll figure it out, and they will get on and, the path to being the good player. And truthfully, I don't think she does it for that reason. I think that's her view of role-playing. So uh, as a DM, I'm trying to develop her as a as a player, too, by sort of like molding that that role-play behavior into something useful. So I don't always just totally disregard what she does. I give her that answer, but in there, I'm trying to sort of mold her back onto the path and, and you know. Yeah, maybe she's just somewhere along the line learned that if a detail is thrown out, it perhaps it's important. Yeah. And sometimes know. it's just flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, what she's doing is she wants time. She wants part of the time, but she's not sure how to get that. And yeah. it's very it's complicated. Com- complicated. It's very yeah. complicated. So um if you want to be a good player, yeah. Uh, as we move along here, I think uh it's not not my favorite person. And uh <laughs> when you bring him up in a room, uh. normally you get a, a a unanimous loud groan from everybody. But I can't fault him for this. This this is I, I went to the trouble of like reading up on it and part of the speech that he gave and everything. Yeah. And we're talking about Wheaton's Law. Don't be a yeah. dick. Will, Will Wheaton, because after yeah. the five-minute intro, you never actually said his name. But I know. We'll, I but was still, gonna, because I, it's hard was, to. Well, because, as soon as you say the law, you got it, and then you I'm say right who there, he is. I'm right there with Greg. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. You know, Will I'm Wheaton's a, I have a mixed opinions. Yeah. Like, the whole yeah. Wesley Crusher character was incredibly annoying. Yeah. But to be fair, not his fault. He wasn't writing it. That's right. He didn't yeah, write it. It was a job. And, and good for him. He got a gig on, like, you know, a Star Trek series that was probably the best Star Trek series. I know Dean will disagree with me, but um, <laughs> I enjoyed that one probably better than all of them. But um, Not my favorite one, but... Uh, and, and he's a hardcore gamer. I mean, he is, and he, he's uh, yeah. a pretty good representative of the Yeah, he's a good advocate. Hobby. He's a good advocate for honestly, our hobby. Honestly, I don't want to give him any more time than is allowed. <laughs> but, uh, he has a great thing. Don't be a dick. I just yeah. wish he would listen to himself sometimes. Well, <laughs> I, I think he is sufficiently self-aware that he knows that too. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes I think he, he's doing that for effect because it is, you know, self-promotional. Yeah. yeah. And the don't be a dick, that comes back to like playing evil characters, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, evil characters, by definition, you're supposed to be a dick because you're evil. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, me personally, I think that that is not gaming specific. I think that if people just did that in their life everywhere... Yeah, the world would be a better place. I right. have, a, I have, a, I have a, my the way I place it is a little different than I say. Don't be something else, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, just you should do that all the time, everywhere, to everybody. But especially in when gaming. you're in a room sitting at a table, just well, don't okay. be a jerk. Exactly. Here, you, and some people feel the need to. Well, because <laughs> let's face it, uh, you're taking up. 
your time. You're taking up the DM's time. You're taking up the player's time. It's as you've got in our outline here. There's a social contract. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're coming in and you're being a jerk and you're being, as we've said, a dick, you're wasting my time. Yeah. And you know, and Dean for- and I, we used to be in a society for creative anachronism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And back in the day in the SCA, it was a fringe group to begin with. You got <laughs> yes, sort of the I used to call them the the byproducts of the '60s. Most of the people didn't live through the '60s, but they probably would have loved to live through that sort of hippie, yeah, love child. You know, well, they were still dressing like it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I used to like jokingly say, although it was true, if you were considered strange by SCA standards. You were really out there. Absolutely, like, 100% true. I mean, there were people that probably could have been like in medical treatment. And they should have been. Uh, and s- to some extent, I see that occasionally with D&D players where, you know, it's an instant social group. If you find a and d game, yeah. you fall in. But if you're already struggling with social skills, that can be challenging, right? So, um, you know, that social contract... Uh, you know, one, don't be a dick, but also, you know, when you're when you're looking at players, you're committing to this activity, right? Mm-hmm. How often are we going to play? How long are we going to play? You know, what's what's our if I can't play, what's what's what should I do? You know, if if I need to cancel at the last minute, or if I need to cancel for six months, like am I going to be replaced? Am I going to be welcome back? That should all, in my mind, should all be laid out at the beginning of a, a campaign. Yeah, well, that's that's. And a, I did do that at our most recent, uh, not our most recent, but when I restarted our game, so to speak, I always tend to kind of let my games have a finale, and then we restart new yeah. characters, new things like that. And I said in this one here, if you're not gonna make it, that's okay. But I want to know if you're not gonna make it. Don't tell me you can be here on this day and not be there. Um, because I'm making the effort as a DM. And this is about players. I want the players, and we're going to get into this, you know, here in just a little bit. The players have a social contract with the DM. Mm -hmm. They have got to carry their own weight because the DM has put a lot of time, effort, and thought into something. Interesting anecdote. I have actually seen players who played a character for a relatively long time and then said, I'm not playing anymore which is fine, right? The DM then takes that character and turns them into an NPC, and at some point something bad happens to the character. They die, whatever, yeah. they turn evil. And then I've seen that player be upset in real life with the DM. Well, how could you do that to my character? It's like, Interesting. It's like at the point which you stop playing and say, I'm not playing anymore, it's not your character anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right? But it's yeah. part of the, the collective story, so they're not just going to disappear from the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? no, that's true. Uh, so just a... You know, yeah, I've seen that more on yeah. more than one occasion. And that gets into something about the possession of the character. Does it belong to the game? Does it belong yeah. to the player? But yeah, that's, that's beyond the scope of this. Yeah, that's an ongoing issue with my Friday game. Um, there are five players and the game master, and all five of us are there probably 30% of the time. <laughs> one person is missing. But you know, I don't. I don't even mind that. But as a GM, but you know if, what? if I know it, if you know it in advance, right. and it's usually at least given a day's warning. Sometimes not, but uh, it's important to construct 
you're if you know that's going to happen, and we knew that was going to, we know that happens. Uh, all the games that we've played have been structured in a way to explain somebody not being there for right. a day. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as a DM, I don't I don't spend a lot of time on that. People, yeah. I've seen where if a player misses and then they come back for like a six hour session, they will literally sit for two hours while the DM tries to work them back into the adventure. Yeah, which to me, you know no, how no, no, you know no. how players return yeah. to the adventure? They fall from the sky and land on the ground, and you're there. Like, yep. I am not going to waste. Yeah time exactly. trying to get you back you're just there yeah. like however you want to resolve it in your mind yeah, if you got to leave early or you're not going to be there for part yeah. of it that you can get they drive you know you, and, you and just you follow to, you, 60 you're, feet you're behind the party outside along of as an any NPC area of and you're not very helpful yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and if the party's dying you might drag their unconscious corpses back to town yeah. maybe right yeah exactly okay. but uh you know and that uh you know that works out and and you know all of this has to do with Making the DM's life easier, yeah. Because the dungeon master, the game master, they're the ones putting the work into the adventure that they are preparing for you, and they have to accommodate everybody in in an adventure. If uh, you know, if they've written, if they've written an encounter for six people and only three people show up, you can't throw that six person encounter at them yeah. because you're going to have three dead players. A good DM can adjust. What what really but throws me is but when, that, but that you have to do that on the fly is yeah. not. You know, you should you should know about that in advance and yeah. be able to. What what throws me is when I'm basing the adventure on a character's particular, and then that character doesn't show. Yeah. Yes, and then you're like, okay, so this whole adventure was based on the rogue. Um, getting into a fight with another uh, thieves guild, and now the rogue's not here. So <laughs> the rest of the characters could care less about the standing other standing around. Guild. They throw the rogue into the room and they run. Yeah. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. That's uh, again, I've have seen that quite yeah. a bit too. So yeah. players should try to make the, the DM's life easier. Right. Yeah. So how does how does a good player make you know? And real the world DM's things life. happen. And there's stuff that you can't do anything about. You know, you're sick or you know you have you have family stuff. Or, yeah. So you know, I mean, there's or, simple things like be on time, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I'm never. Um, snacks. Greg is good with snacks. We'll give him yeah. that. Um, I'm usually Greg's, late because I'm stopping to buy snacks. Yeah, Greg's, <laughs> Greg's late for everything, so yeah. you don't always bring snacks <laughs> to everything. Bring, I always bring no, snacks. No, to D&D, but you didn't bring snacks today and you were late. For hosting. Uh, we can't eat while we're talking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually thought about it on the way in here I need because I'm starving. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of snacks, um, when the players are bringing um, – well, let me back up a little bit. Who hosts most of the games that you attend? We move around. I mean, I have my game room, but it's I should have built it bigger because I built it, and it's the ceiling slants down. So uh, we play the monthly group at Mark's, at my friend Mark's house, who has a massive game room. We've, we've, we've kind of we were we were bouncing around and playing in different yeah. places, and we've settled into Mark's because his room is bigger than all the other rooms put together. It's yeah. just it's the perfect place to yeah. play. And I know we're talking about players, but here's the thing: um, I don't like to. DM outside of my own game room. I no, feel and, slightly and I, I, uncomfortable. There's practical reasons for that, too. Yeah. I mean, yes. there are... Pra- but well, I, no, I have, like, hundreds of minis yes. within arm's reach in my game room. I have all my maps. I have all my resources. If I'm traveling, especially as a GM, it's sort of a pain in the neck. Now, we've been playing. Mark's been GMing, so we're playing where the GM is. Yeah. Um, they're the DM. Yeah. We're the DM. <laughs> we keep getting off track and talking about the DMs as opposed to the players. Anyway. Yeah, but it is nice to offer. Yeah. You know, it is it because is. sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, I mean, we we don't play at my house too much ever in any of my games because 
we have to play in the dining room, which is smack in the middle of the room. Yes. And the rest of my family basically has to hide in the back of the house because, you know, it opens up to the kitchen and the family room and the living room. It's open to the, yeah. the entire center of the house. And Greg does not want to expose his family to the rest of you. Well, they already I, know. I think, yeah, they know and they don't want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and to be fair, I don't have a very big table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when they, you know, we've played... Uh, yeah, Friday game's been there, and getting getting all of us at the table is cozy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some other aspects of players learn the rules. Oh yeah, number one, that should yeah. be probably Especially almost above for your don't be character a dick. class. Yeah. You're only playing one yeah. class. Come on, right. like know that action surge is you know gives you an action and not a bonus action. You know. Know that if you you know if you're a caster and and you cast a spell with a bonus action, you can only cast a cantrip with an action. Granted, the first couple levels you might not know that, but it's not going to yeah. change. You know, you should know yeah. your class. Yeah, and interestingly, and you know, uh, across the board, the D and D that I've been playing, and my Friday game stuff like that, and we've all been playing for a long time. We've all been pretty laissez-faire about uh, keeping track of the r- specific rules for things. Everybody's always like, "Are we sure about that?" And then, then the, the game master sometimes has to correct people. And uh, uh, it's also fair to say, the higher, the more magic that you get involved, the more complicated it, it gets. It does, but you're still yeah. only playing one character as yeah. a player, right? Um, so, um, so do that's that. to, that's just that's just part of you know party friendly PCs. What's going along. Is, that yes. I, I put a big old star by that. Yeah, because in my opinion, that is the most important thing. Yeah. I have seen more games and campaigns falter or completely collapse because yeah. of the creation. If of you want to play a lone wolf character, party. there's a game for that. It's called Skyrim. You can <laughs> you can go on. You can yeah. play for hours and hours and hours with your character. Mm-hmm. But don't come to a table and be like, "Oh, I don't." I think paranoia was like that too. Yeah, you well, paranoia much out is, for themselves. That's the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, which is a sort of but, yeah. uh, exception to the rule. But, yeah, I had uh, we had, we had a champions campaign that we were trying to put together once. We spent weeks creating a complicated map, a near future world system. All this background material. Everybody made up made up characters and made sure they weren't stepping on each other's superpowers. And we all got together and all but one of the characters was a loner. And that game we ran that game twice. And the game master could not force the characters to get together. Every time we would ha- we would fight somebody and then everybody would run off. Yeah. And that was just and I think ever since then. We spend an inordinate amount of time making sure our characters either know each other or get yeah, along. Yeah, and zero sessions are good. Yeah, for that's that. that's why we're having th- yeah. three Star Wars zero sessions because yeah. game and and the game master can uh, can you know it helps yeah. with that a lot too. Um, you know, are you going to just meet in the bar? Yeah. Or are you or have you guys been traveling together for a while and you guys spend ten minutes saying how you know each other and hopefully the characters you know, will now, get along well and fit in with the Game Master's world system. Our next point is one that I hadn't really seen articulated before we drew up this outline, but it it really matters a lot. It's find the fun. Explain what you're meaning by that. So, and, and I see, I, again, I, I read a lot of other people's opinions about the game, and one of the, that, that Lewis guy on EN World... He said something about, well, you know, DMs are way too lenient. If a character says, I want to pick up the the wood stove and throw it a thousand feet, 
that's just absurd. You should never let them do it. One, no DM I know is going to let them do that. Right? Yeah. But two, and it, so it's a straw man example. But here's the thing. As a, as a DM, if a player says, I want to do that, that is now an opportunity to find the fun. Exactly. Yeah. So Exactly. So like, okay, you go and grab the wood stove. Guess what? It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> you have now burnt both, and your hands are stuck to the stove. What do you do? Five, four, three. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I pull my, okay, yeah. you pull your hands off. Part of your hand is still attached to the stove. You now, right. like, you now, for the rest of the adventure, Can't have, hold a weapon. have these. And, <laughs> and that's just an opportunity for comedy in my mind. Yeah. Well, right? and we have had some of the most fun by just kind of offhand ideas that a, yeah. a character wants to oh, do. Yeah. And we've had just so and much fun and laughing and having a great time. And you know what? We find that find that fun more fun than the planned game. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to be stupid, right? Uh, because, you, you know, a, a DM should kill you if you're doing something totally absurd that's going to get you killed. Right. Yeah. But, you know, as a character, don't be afraid to sort of like step away from that number crunchy. I mm-hmm. know this is, I mean, back in the first edition, second edition days, we didn't have a rogue in our group. So um, my monk who had really good saving throws, would strip naked except for his rings of protection and his cloak of protection and run through the traps. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, <laughs> totally absurd. We could have spent hours dis- like trying to find the traps and disarm them without a rogue. But you know what? He was going to make a save. And worse thing, he's immune to poison. I mean, he's higher level. So that, to me, that's just find the fun, you know? It, it do <laughs> something brings silly. brings up a really disturbing mental image. Yeah, too. I was going to yeah. say. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the best part. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, so, you know, as a player, think about what's going to be fun for everybody, not just for you, but what's going what's gonna to be the story you're going to tell 20 years from now. Yeah. You know, you're not going to tell the story about how you tactically entered the room and, you know, flanked the ogre and, you know, used your advantage. That's not the story you're telling. You're going to tell the story how you lured the ogre out of the room and crushed him with the 10-ton boulder that was, you know, I mean, that's the story. Or you attached a million balloons to him and he floated off into the (laughs) ether. You know, I mean, those are the stories that you tell. Yeah, it's it's always the the absurd side stories that are the ones you remember. And, um, you know, and, and it's worth it to spend the time sometimes doing these things for the fun. But you also got to keep the game moving. Yeah. Which is yeah. the next thing. As a player, See, don't... I'm trying to do some smooth segues. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of ticking the boxes off here. Yeah. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of that sometimes, too. Uh, somebody will, uh, you know, we'll, um, we'll be doing something, and somebody will be off doing something, and, uh, and, uh, and the game master will say, well, then there's this guy over here, and then there's this, and then there's this guy over here, and I'll go, I'm going to go over and investigate that plot device. Because if the game master says something twice, it's important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pot is not important. The map tacked to the wall that he pointed out. Right. Tacked to the wall over Listen there. Listen to and the there's DM a map. is yes. another good player. Yeah, that, yeah. that kind of Tip. fits in there with that. If 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 they've mentioned something and mentioned it in detail, it's important. Yeah. It's like but, being in a movie. If you've mm-hmm. li- the camera lingers, yeah. you should be looking. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a prop in the room, that's prop's gonna be used for something. Yes. Uh, which leads us to the next one. Stay invested. As a player, nothing is more annoying than somebody sitting on their phone. Yeah. And then they're like, what? What was that? And they're like, oh my God, if I have to say this another time, like you know, I have cell found phones, cell phones are bad. I have in found a game situation. that um, my players don't use their cell phones nearly as much now that they're using the D and D beyond. Yeah. And I don't know if that's there's some 
They don't want to close the window. <laughs> that could be it. Got extra tabs know. open. Um, no, I, I don't, don't think get they me do. wrong. I don't have a problem with cell phone usage in general. If if you know somebody else is scouting ahead and your character sitting back at camp waiting for that person to return, and you want to check your email, but when we're in the middle of combat and your turn is going to be next, and you're on your cell phone, and yeah. you go, what, my turn? Oh, let me figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. That annoys the piss out of me. Yeah, checking the game scores or playing uh, playing a game. That or, does happen. Yeah. Checking the game scores, especially when there's a football or a baseball game or something like that going on. Oh, my gosh. You can find out what happens when the game ends, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Which, or, you can, or you can follow it and be subtle about it, too. Which ties into the last thing. Know how you want yeah. to act. And primarily for that, I'm thinking about, like, in combat. There is nothing, like, I don't know how you guys track combat initiative. I hang it on the front of my DM screen. So you know exactly. That's what I do. How, how many people are between you and your yes. turn. Yes, yes. And nothing more annoying than you get to the person's oh. turn. Oh. Um, um. I guess... I'm going to cast, I think I'll, yeah, um, I'll cast Grease. What's what's the range on that? Well, I don't know. You've had 10 minutes <laughs> to look up the damn spell. Yes. Right? Yes. Have it ready. Lo- know what you're going to do and have the details of your action ready. Um, that is super annoying. Well, and you have to kind of pay attention, too, because if you've decided what you want to do and the four people that go ahead of you change the situation. Yeah, there are situations then, where you have yeah, your action and the person right before that. you totally yeah. screws up everything oh, I, I, you I'm wanted to do. That too. That's, I've, that's I've part of the and, game. Yeah, I've sat there and spaced out and I'm like, oh, well, crap. Uh, everybody I was going to text dead now. What am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold. So. Loot the body. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Now, a lot of... Uh, Interaction between the players and the game master has a lot to do with uh, what the with the dungeon master DM has to uh, expect from their players. Yeah, I'm afraid yeah, that we could probably expound on this far too long. Yeah, um, <laughs> but and this mean, is about players, not 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 dungeon masters. Anyway. Right, exactly. But what what <laughs> I expect from the players is a lot of what we just already went yeah. over. Yeah. Um, How do I you, want you to be to, a good player? Yeah, I want yeah. you to be a good player. I want you to um, engage. Engage, absolutely engage. I want you to know what your character is. I want you know. I want you to know what your character does. I want you to kind of understand what the other players mm-hmm. and their characters are, or who they are, and what they are. And and sort of one of the things I've noticed, like we were talking about critical role before the podcast, because I'm sort of running it in the background as I'm doing other stuff and trying to get caught up with season two. And I, I'm a two minds as to whether watching D&D is fun or not. I do enjoy watching Matt Mercer. But one of the things I notice in that um, podcast is there are long periods where the characters will be interacting with each other. And I don't see a lot of that um, in D&D games, you know, where character, you know, interaction between characters. That's part of the role-playing aspect of the game. It's not just you interacting with the DM, but how do you interact with other characters? What kind of relationship do you, have you developed and have with them? And, and I mean, there will be periods of 10 minutes where Matt, as Matt Mercer as a DM, doesn't say anything. It's characters interacting amongst themselves, you know, in character, which is really cool. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's an aspect of the game. As a player, um, you... That's your responsibility, obviously, you know. And that all kind of hinges on a person's uh, level of comfort and ability to Yeah, and the Dungeon Master's playing style as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's I I see. Unfortunately, I see D and D as being a role play light game compared to everything else I've played, uh, just because it's very goal driven. I mean, and not just and not just. Although you I think know, fifth edition is just, the it, most role play friendly version. It is, but in the games that I've played, well, I've, although I've mostly just played with you. Yeah. And the games I've played in convention setting, which which is Adventures League, which yeah, is which also is at all super no, not role play, yeah. which would yeah, and and, uh, and and I think I've mentioned that before. Anytime I tr- anytime I try to interject any character interaction or anything entertaining or amusing in the session, people looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah, that's the, the hmm. convention. Yeah. That's organized play is not good for no yeah. for characters. Yeah, but. You know, our first point on our outline, you know, about detailing your character as a player basically amounts to don't make a bad character. Like, avoid the tropes. You know, they're just old, they're worn out. You know, the dwarf who carries the battle axe and drinks mead all day. Like, that's fine if that's part of your character, but if that's the end of your character. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the key key is to take a trope because everybody's going to start with a trope. The but you take the trope and you turn it sideways. Yeah. That's that's Make making a fun, good character. Because if you're making a boring character, the game master is going to be bored too. And in the end, yeah. it's and then not going to be The other great. one that I like to, especially new players miss, is uh, build in flaws. Flaws are what makes characters interesting. And that's something that my players have uh, taken to heart in the last few sessions. They've really kind of played their flaws. And I'm having fun as a DM, yeah. yeah, using those flaws, both to their disadvantage yeah. and to their entertainment. Yeah, and it gives you room for character growth right? yeah. as as a role player. I've know. been using those flaws as plot points yep. for some adventures. Nope, yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's it's important, too, that the, that the characters have a certain... Lo- the players have a certain level of trust in the Dungeon Master because, um, you know... If you if you think oh, if I uh, if I put this in there he's just going to use this and he's going to destroy my character with it yeah that's, uh, but again that's the number cruncher version of D and D versus the role playing version whereas D&D. yeah and I think most people these days especially are, are a lot more fair about that uh, yeah you know super, superhero games that was a big thing yeah you which were forced to put flaws in and uh, there was a couple of game masters that people were terrified of putting. Too big of a flaw in, or putting yeah. putting uh, not not necessarily on the character sheet, but in their character background. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Well, I've got a brother. Yeah, that's why everybody's an orphan. Yeah, I've got, yeah, there's, I've, there's I've got no a parents you have to worry about protecting. Yeah, um, but you know, look, uh, look where my mom got us uh, <laughs> in the, hell. The, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, the other thing that, as a DM, annoys me, and this can make a good or a bad player, when you roll the dice, play the result. Okay, don't metagame. Like, you know, there's a lot if of I'm looking for a on. trap and I roll a two, there's no trap. You know, you're going to be confident. You're confident in your trap fighting ability every other time when you roll a 20. But then I see players, well, I roll a two. Maybe somebody else should look. No, there's no trap. You, you know, play the result of the die. Yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is a hard thing to do for some players. Um, and that's a great example. That's a great example yeah, actually, because that's, yeah, that's a know, really good one. Uh, you know, oh, I think I, that just I happened in our last two. session. I think we had a, yeah. a rolling cycle where somebody kept failing at something, and yeah. everybody tried it. And sometimes there is no trap. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, yeah, metagaming is uh, yeah. Actually, with that, we should have brought that up too. That's that's uh, 
that would be into my um, in my not good player thing or people who excessively metagame. Yeah. You know, and I and I try to do that too. Uh, when I'm playing, and somebody says, you know, what kind of shape are you in? I, I I try not to say I've only got four hit points left. I try to say I'm bleeding profusely and can barely stand up. I mean, that's I see that as good role playing. Yeah. You yeah. know, because no one has the little no one no one has a bar chart floating yeah. over their head. You know, with their with their health level on it. That's a hard thing to get away yeah. from because it is the, the, the paper is right there yeah, in front of you or the, the, and, the and sometimes book. and you'll say and I'll, and I'll say that to you. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm looking bad. I'm looking bad. I'm I'm barely making it. I'm in trouble. And then and they'll say, really, really, how much? And I get I got four hit points left. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, oh crap! Oh crap! I'm the healing. I'm throwing some healing on you yeah. next time. I'm like, but I'm, I'm still going to attack this thing because I'm, I'm after yeah. it, man. I'm on it. Yeah. But, how many uh, points are you down? Yeah. No, I, I I look bad. <laughs> yeah okay limbs hanging from tendons i'm bad it's bad yeah. <laughs> we have one other point which i don't i don't think we have enough time to cover truly in depth enough as a player play at the edge of your comfort zone like don't always play the same character the same way because i mean in my view as a as a player you want to sort of develop not just your character but your play so yeah. um you know, play that character class that you've never played before. You know, well, I've always played melee characters, but, you know, I'm sort of intimidated by a spellcaster. Well, play a spellcaster. Like, you know, see what that's like or play a character that's not always optimized. Um, you know, yeah. always try to push yourself as a player. <laughs> I have a lot of characters that are not optimized. Trust me. <laughs> you know, and... Um... My my highest level adventures league character is a sorcerer. Okay, <laughs> sorcerers suck in fifth edition, especially now in adventures league. Um, but does he have more than one class? Wizards are way way better. Is he multi class? Yeah. yeah, he oh, is. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. checking. Yeah, <laughs> every every adventures league character I have is multi class. Well, maybe I have one that's not. Someday uh, I'm going to multi class. But that's also part of the reason I multi class is because I don't want him to be like every other sorcerer in the world. Which is, you are in 5th edition. I mean, there's very little yeah. difference. A 17th level wild magic sorcerer is the same exact character as another 17th level wild magic sorcerer because you probably maximized your charisma. You know, you might have taken a feat to differentiate you, but, you know, there's yeah. not a lot of difference. So, and, and not just classes and stuff, too, but also, you know, uh, you know uh, get yourself out of the comfort zone. If, you've, if you're always playing the lawful good character, you know— why don't we try to be a sketchy, you know, it's neutral, hard to true character. neutral? It is yeah. hard to play a true neutral character and be like, I don't really care how this turns out. Mm-hmm. You know what? You're on your own here. Yeah. yeah when so. we come around to that podcast, folks, wow, I'm not sure yeah. how we'll handle yeah. all that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, mix mix up your uh, um, alignment uh, and just and uh, your character goals. You know. And and that's another important thing uh, that you need to have when you're playing your character is you know your character's got to got to where do you want to go with the character you gotta, yeah and besides and, level twenty yeah you know I mean your character needs to have a reason to be risking their life on a daily basis and that's going to dictate the decisions you make session to session yes like I wouldn't do my character wouldn't do this I know the best thing to do is to search for traps my character's not going to do it because we're in an elven village and obviously the elves would not lay traps for our for guests like us you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I, uh, one thing I would see is when you when you're creating your character, uh, you should always 
on some kind of level have a character arc and you know invent your character arc. I'm, you know, getting revenge for the person who killed my parents. I'm trying to reinstate my father's you know kingdom. I you know I'm just looking for self respect because you know I've been picked on my whole life. Give give your character a reason to do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then and then that and that's playing right into the game master's hand because then you've given yeah. them plot hooks. Yeah. So play the character. Don't play you. Yeah. A lot of new players play them. Yeah. That's very and, true. And that's and that's okay with your first character because that lets you get in. Yeah. You know, and get, you learn, learn the rules and do all that other stuff. But once you get but, some experience under your belt, play yeah. a character instead of playing yeah. you as that character. Because yeah, honestly, most of us, you know, probably wouldn't want to keep being us if we were in the situations in these games. I, I would be dead. So <laughs> I, uh, I would rather be somebody else. <laughs> we already sort of uh, talked about players at conventions, though. You know, just be tolerant because you run into a lot of sometimes more difficult players. Some really difficult players. You can get some people yeah. that are the most fun you've ever played a yeah. game with, though, yeah. too. And I've had that. But, yep. Um, yep, I've seen it both ways. Yeah. yeah. My, the, my, my best cell phone example was from uh, Gary Khan. We were sitting there playing. While I was, while I was being consumed by squirrels, <laughs> there was a... 15-year-old kid sitting there screwing around on his phone. And then, he's, what are you going to do? Oh, um, actually, I think he was a kid that was partially responsible for me getting killed because uh, <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. Uh, that is a good story. That's a damn squirrel. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and uh, share the nice. I see that a lot at conventions, too. Somebody right, yeah. will be super dominant at the table. And you know what? Let people play their yeah, characters. Yeah, throttle it back. You've been, okay, yeah, you've been playing this for 20 years. Yeah. You know all the rules. Half of the people at the table are newbies. Yeah. You know, drag the newbies in and let them play. You know, yeah. give them a, give them their moment. If if you're experienced, share your experience by sharing the table. Yeah. So. We should probably uh, work our bit in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, every character has sort of a background, a background story and... I and like there's background some backgrounds that, that pretty much don't work for characters. They're very difficult to, to role play. So I think uh, we and have for a, the GM to come up with plot devices uh, for. A couple of those recorded. Why don't we give those a listen? A merman with hydrophobia. A pacifist necromancer. A tabaxi with fur allergies. A ranger with agoraphobia. A druid with a fear of animals. An assassin who gets queasy at the sight of blood an agnostic paladin, a bard with performance anxiety, a wizard with dyslexia, a troll with pyromaniac tendencies, and a beholder with 2400 vision. Okay, yeah, some of those, not easy to play. That ain't gonna work out. You know, the, the pacifist necromancer, nobody ever be dead for you to, to animate, you know? <laughs> you don't wanna maybe, kill people, so. Maybe they just work with roadkill. Maybe just found. Oh, yeah. I just found this body. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they just uh, they they kind of follow the battle follower. Yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. A field of corpses. Yeah. Perfect. The merman afraid of the water. Mm. That, that would be tough. You know, just yeah. carry a lot of sponges. Maybe that's, that's his. That's his character arc. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, yeah. He's, he's working it out. He's yeah. working it out. So um, anyway, yeah. so uh, We've already interjected plenty of these, but uh, has anybody got any uh, their personal experiences? There, I know, I know, I, and there was one thing I wanted peeves. to bring up from our local game. So, so the monthly game I normally DM, and yeah. now I'm playing. So to play, I I just grabbed an NPC because the guy who's running played the rogue in the group. So I grabbed another rogue. I mentioned before, Bull and Braxton. He was a yeah. player in my high school game. 
recreated that character. And last session, I realized uh, that the rest of the party wasn't doing something that we used to do all the time, which was communicate sort of uh, outside the game to meet goals in the game. So I'm playing the rogue, but the guy next to me is playing the wizard. And he's a high-level wizard by this time. You guys are like 14th, 15th level, yeah. I think. So I'm like, why have you not been trying to set up like a, a wizard's tower with the, the spell that keeps people from detecting you? Like if you cast it for a year straight, why not try to set up a teleportation circle? Like – you know, this is stuff that we would do all the time. Like, we would think about how's the character fit into the world. Now, obviously, you're not going to do this in a convention game or something, but in a regular home game, like, I sort of enjoyed that aspect of the game. Like, um, sending the DM a, a message, an email or whatever, saying, hey, my character's doing this during downtime, you know? Totally outside yeah. of the game yeah. session. Totally outside, but, you know, that wizard by now could have had. You know, in this game, yeah, he he's not going to be there for a year straight to cast a spell, but they have enough gold that he could hire a, a <laughs> wizard to sit there every day for a year. That wizard can do his research, give him access to the library, and just say, hey, here's the deal. You cast a spell every day, and after a year, I have a tower that's immune to scrying, which is really mm. handy when you're high level. Yeah. But I think a lot of I think a lot of it in, in our in our situation there is because we only play once a month and sometimes we skip and sometimes there's you know eight weeks almost between when we play. I I, I and I feel this way. It's hard to think of it on a on a larger scale. Yeah. I, I think of it as on a weekly basis. It's almost like it doesn't exist as a linear thing because the line it's a it's a dash line it yeah, isn't that a does, solid that line. Yeah, that does make it harder. It is. Um, and I I think I fall into the same category there with you, yeah, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've given some thought to stuff that my character would have done, you know, did has she does she go back and visit home? We spent we spent the first 3 years of the game trying to free her mom, you know, find find her mom's killer, then we found out she wasn't dead and then we freed her and she's alive and and then I, I haven't gone back to visit we her used since to, then. We used to do breakout sessions back in the day again yeah. where if character said, "Okay, guess what? We're going to take 2 months off." <clears throat> what tell me what your character's doing those 2 months? Yeah, and we do that in my other games. <laughs> we would continue to play the normal game, but then I would say, "Okay, Greg, let's meet next week." with you and maybe one other player, if that player went with you, we're going to do an adventure with you going to visit your mom. And we didn't worry a whole lot about the timing. We would continue the main storyline and just sort of like fit it in there. Um, but that was sort of a cool aspect. It lets you develop your character a lot more um, now that we all have jobs and families and stuff. That's yeah, that's that's made it a lot easy. harder. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, on my Friday game, when, when people don't show up, if 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 one person doesn't show up, we usually continue with the game. But if only like two people show up, we do one of those two characters go out and get in trouble. You know. Yeah. You know. That's a great idea, but uh, and, uh, fortunately, I've never had that issue. I mean, I think for me. Uh, if only two people show up, we end up just canceling the game. Play a board game. And do something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we've done that too. We used to, yeah, we used to do that. We would play a card game, you know, uh, or, or a board game or something like that. But um, depends on the game. You know, so it's harder, harder to do in D&D than it is in, you know, in another. The, the last point that I want to bring about players um, that annoys me to no end. <laughs> and it annoys me more as a player than as a DM, actually, if I'm a fellow player. Really? Arguing about the rules. Okay, so in 5th edition, the DM's ruling is final, okay? And if the DM's getting something wrong, you just got to roll with it. Like, if somebody goes, if I'm DMing and somebody goes, I don't think it works that way, 
Okay, so now you've made your appeal. Like, I, I think it's yeah, supposed to work this way. Yeah, isn't, isn't that That's fine. At the end I don't mind that. Times? Right. But then I, when I go, no, it, uh, it does like, you know, here's the, the bugbear, extra reach, only works on their attack. On their turn, you have an extra five-foot reach when you attack. Yeah. It doesn't work for opportunity attacks. So somebody will go, really? well, I, I get an opportunity attack because I have an extra five-foot reach. No, it only, it's only on your turn. You only get that on your turn. I didn't okay, know that. Okay, at that point as a player, you need to let it go. The DM, you have appealed. The DM has made the ruling. Even if that ruling's not right, you need to let it go because it's the DM's table. Yeah. After the session, I don't mind a player coming up to me with the page, go, here, here's how it is. Mm -hmm. Or the sage advice that says, oh, here's the interpretation. Thanks. Okay. You know, I'll take that into account. But maybe that's not, you know, sage advice isn't official. I don't need to to abide by their rules. It's just- It's just advice. Yeah, it's just advice. (laughs) Uh, So- that annoys me when players will try to bog down the game because they want to, you know, they got to be right about this rule. Well, and, and that's most, exactly more often than not, they're not right. Yeah. Well, and that's what exactly what it is right there. It isn't about who's right or who's wrong. It's about the fact that you have brought the action to a stop. Yeah, to a grinding halt, and, and it doesn't and ev- matter that much. Yeah. And then everybody's no. sitting there staring at you, glaring at usually the person who started the argument. You know, oh God, we're going through this again, and or, or everybody's whipping out their books trying to yeah. figure out if they're right or they're wrong, and all that. And I'm like, just, just let's just move on. Yeah, you know. So that that annoys me, um, and, and that's fair. Yeah. Um, so and which gets us back to the the main point: don't be a dick. You know what? You really can't go much more than that. Yeah, yeah. It's that that, that that's the beauty of that statement is it's 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 pretty inclusive. Yeah. I um, just wish it wasn't that guy who said it. Yeah, I know. Well, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know some of the the figures associated with fifth edition. You get you know you got well he's he was gaming way before fifth edition. Mm-hmm. But then you yeah. also have the. Uh, Safine Phoenix. Oh yeah, the former oh. porn. I don't know if she, she might be currently a porn star. It, it, I don't. I don't still don't understand. Now, don't. I've never met her. She could be a perfectly nice woman. I just don't understand how she got. I guess she had a podcast of former porn stars that played D and D. Yeah, which to me already is like, uh, is that where? Oh. We're, but uh, like, I've seen pictures of her like with product releases in Wizards of the Coast offices, like with you know, she's Mike a community Merle's. manager, I think. Or yeah, like I mean, she's got like an official position. Oh, <laughs> I just I, I I don't know how that all happened. I'm curious how that all happened. Maybe someday we'll have a chance to speak with. Her. I know she goes to Gary Con. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I think I did. I think I saw her there. Personally, I saw her at the panel, and um, <laughs> I wasn't that impressed by what she had to say. Yeah, I mean, she's a younger gamer. Not that I discredit all younger gamers. Yes, you do. But, you know, I mean, if someone's... <laughs> no, I just, no I'm, know, just, I'm just some, messing I mean, with. Matt Mercer is probably in his 30s, and I have utmost respect for him as a DM. Yeah. I mean, I wish yeah. I could DM like him in terms of his level of description. He's, he's a little loose with the rules. He's, he's, he's getting paid to do that, yeah. Yeah, he is, but they had a home game. They played Pathfinder before they took it online. Yeah. And I think, from what I've seen, they they could not develop that level of play just because they were getting paid. They were already there, in my okay. opinion. Okay, yeah. So. Well, it's it, it's the group he's playing with, too. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I mean, very, oh, yeah. they are good players. Yeah. A DM will feed off of good yeah. players. Exactly. Yep. Um, I, you know, I wish I were playing with more theater people, so that would that's make a good things point. a lot more entertaining. I've, I've had some really entertaining games with people who are just comfortable speaking and talking and being somebody else other than themselves. Yeah. And 
I think, you know, not that you need to go out and recruit all theater players or theater I'm about, uh, That types, might be almost too much to hang out to. I don't, I know the... Yeah, the drama afterwards like is just way too much. And the <laughs> yeah. game I like a falls variety apart. of players. Yeah, because yeah. I know when you were running, uh, you know, uh, your kids' high school, the groups there, yeah. there was a lot of theater people involved there. And, yeah. And how did that go? It was good. I mean, it's... I like playing with different people. I think yeah. the theater crowd is very much into the role playing because yeah. that's what they do. They, yeah. they act, you know. Mm-hmm. I so I enjoy that, but I also enjoy a more number crunchy game every once in a while. You know, your scientific types that are like, okay, how can I, you know, position myself optimally? Yeah. Like I uh, maximize the damage on this attack. Yeah, I mean, and I and I even enjoy the light role players that you know every once in a while they they're not too worried about the dice. They're just going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. So um, I, I think what we glean from all this is, as as uh, Dean pointed out, you know, number one thing, don't be a dick. Be nice to your game master. Be helpful and be a part of the cooperative storytelling process. That that is the key to being a good player. And make sure be an engaged player. Make sure that you're having fun and that you're helping the other, other players people. have fun. Yep. Yeah. Because it's a game. It is. That's the point. If you're not having fun playing this game. You're doing it wrong. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Are you doing it wrong? Uh, listen, we're running running a little long, but we want to have a, a review, right? Yeah, we, we haven't, haven't done had, a review yeah, in a while. Yeah, we haven't done one in a while. But uh, there was a release this week. Dean, why don't you tell us about Something it? worth reviewing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I pre-ordered this bad boy. It's 437 pages worth of D&D goodness. It is the Art and Arcana a Visual History of Dungeons & Dragons by Michael Whitwer, Kyle Newman, John Peterson, and Sam Whitwer. And it is chock full of basically everything that was... Yeah, I, it's like it, arguably it, every piece of art associated with D&D. Yeah, the most iconic... It's a beautiful book. Yeah, the most iconic pieces of art um, that you have ever seen in... All the years of D&D, they've got it separated into the original, first edition, second edition, third and 3.5, fourth and fifth edition. As it should be. And it's really great. It's basically, I haven't had a chance to really look at it too closely. Because it just got released yesterday. Right. It's kind of a, it's John Peterson's book, Gaming at the World in a Picture Form. Yeah, it's it really does sort of go chronologically, and you can see the the development of the art. Um, now, how much was that, Dean? Uh, I got it at almost fifty percent off at pre order. I think this sucker is somewhere close to about the sixty to. S- Greg's I think it was fifty. I think it was supposed to be fifty pre order. Where is what is now, it, Greg? He what, he can read the code. Wasn't there a special edition too? Yeah, that there's, came there's with like extra items. Maybe that's what I was. Cover. Yes, there was a limited um, edition one. Yeah, or this not one a, is fifty. Yeah, it's right on the back. Yep, he's reading the code. Fifty bucks, yeah. but I think There's I got no it. Code. It says US. $50. If if we only had one of the special editions, so we could see all the oh, extra premium. for the love of God. Good Lord, <laughs> Eric. He's always wanting up, one upping us. Yes, at he, one point or another. He does that all the time. I'm used to it. When did you order that? Uh, I got this on Amazon. It was only eighty-two dollars. It was supposed to be like a hundred and fifty, but the Amazon you markdown. Suck. So the same book, slightly different cover, <laughs> but contents are same. Yeah. But in the special edition, you get a collector's box, and you get a lot of little. And then there's a special envelope. On Greg the other has side. left the microphone. Uh, <laughs> there's a microphone over here. 
And um, you have all these little prints, which are really cool because they're the some of the original artwork. Nice. Um, there's the DM screen, but then they have an original version of Tomb of Horrors, the competition module, and it's like the it's a weird size booklet. I think it's like an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper folded in half. It isn't even that. It's it is a super bizarre. And size. it's like typewritten, and the the maps or the 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 artwork is just line like almost like charcoal line artwork it's a pencil basically pencil but just having that is i haven't had a chance to read through the whole thing yet but it it really brings back memories of early D &D, how it was those those all show not at all polished did those all show up in the mail yesterday or yes wow they uh they did a good job uh on that yeah simul uh, release i i saw it pop up on uh on uh, facebook groups a lot of people standing there smiling holding their copy uh, I know one one dude. He had both. He had to have there both. He had go, to have both editions. The artwork from the DM screen. Yeah, no That's kidding. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm going to make Eric That's very post cool. some pictures of this in our review. So suffice it to say that Eric sucks, and <laughs> um, I thought I, I, I had something really cool, and here he's uh, like, yeah, I, he pulls I, I, I it out of down his... that garden path. Yeah, <laughs> I, I suck the most because I, I don't have one. Yeah, and uh, you of all of us should have it. I know. Yeah, it's supposed it's, to be one fifty, and that's you know I love to support my local game store. Every week I buy a box of minis. I don't need a box of minis, you know. But if they're pre-painted, I don't mind. I'm never going to paint them, but just to give them a little business because I appreciate. It. But it's hard, you know. They they were charging one hundred and fifty for this, and on Amazon wow, it's eighty two dollars is what I got. Yeah, that's that's hard to argue with. Had I known that was eighty two dollars on Amazon, I would have gone that route. But I just got I got the main book, um, and I'm happy yeah. with it. Christ- don't, Christmas is coming. Yeah, Christmas for the coming. rest of us. So, for those people who are interested in the history of Dungeons and Dragons, much like we are, go out and buy it. It's pretty cool because you ain't borrowing mine. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> okay, we covered a lot of ground today. We did. Yep. Okay, uh, so I'm tired. I think it's time to sign off. So for the oh wait wait uh, I want I want to look at the books too. You want to look so at the books? I want to flip yeah. Through the books here. For okay. Work. Well, Greg, okay. take us out. All right, but uh, if you want to uh, send us pictures of you with your shiny new D and D book or uh, have any uh, clever character anecdotes, you can get a hold of us on uh, Facebook. We are where we are the Grognards. And our uh, Facebook page that we do actually post to. Uh, on Twitter, you can uh, write at T Grognards. On Instagram, we are the underscore Grognards. And you can email us as gamers at thegrognards.com. And I'm going to look at that book now. All right. Well, with that being said, for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. <laughs> Looking at the book. All right. Take care.